This interview is made possible by the VIEW Conference, the biggest computer graphics conference in Italy. Our dates for 2022 are from the 16th to the 21st of October. We hope to see you in Italy or online. For more information about VIEW Conference, please visit our website, viewconference.it. Today, we are really excited to have here with us uh, Mayar and Jonathan, who are the directors of photography on Pixar's latest hit, Turning Red. To break the ice, I want to start with a question about why did you decide to go into animation? I never really intended to get into animated movies. I was actually trying to do like 3D graphics for internet websites. Like this was in the late 90s when the internet was just coming online. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go do this cool, like almost like graphic design. Um, but there's really no schools for that. And so I ended up going to college for a media arts and animation degree. And when I, when I got there, it seemed super focused on animation, like character animation which was terrifying because I had no intention of ever doing that. Like I knew that was not going to be my thing. And I remember asking my advisor on the first day of school, like, what if I didn't do character animation? What if I, that's not my thing. And she was like, you might be in the wrong program. And I was so <laughs> scared. I was like, oh my God, I just answered up to go to college. My, you know, we got student loans. Like I'm in this thing. I got to do it now. And I just like, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And fortunately, like when I got midway through the program, I was able to like focus more on shading and lighting and modeling and that kind of stuff and not do as much character animation. And it was, it was totally fine. It's a bit of a little bit of luck. And then a little bit of like, well, I just need to work hard and get through this part. And then I'll find out where my career goes after that. I, I had a similar story. I uh, was thinking I wanted to get into effects <laughs> and I'm horrible at math. So I had no idea what I was thinking at the time. Um, but I had just seen, um, God, what was it? I think I'd seen Jurassic Park at some point and thought, whoa, this is pretty mind blowing. Just, just the feeling of believability with, with CG and graphics had just come so far. And then I went to film school and actually it was, while I, like John and my first year there, I met someone who's like, well, I don't know if you're, you're in the right <laughs> direction. And so someone mentioned to me, have you heard of this thing called layout? And that person actually had just left Pixar to go to film school. So I was going to school with him and he was telling me how the industry was working. And I didn't even know that layout existed. And um, basically the more I learned about it, I just fell in love with, with animation and <clears throat> storytelling. Go. I'm Maylin Lee. I wear what I want, say what I want, 24 7, 365. I know, it's a lot. But I don't got time to mess around. Oh, about that hustle, am I right? Poor town. This is gonna be the best year ever. And nothing's gonna get in my way. Breakfast is ready. 
It's gonna be me. Ah! Is everything okay? I'm a gross red monster. Don't look at me. Stay back. This happened already. What did you say? Our ancestors had a mystical connection with red pandas. Are you kidding me? This little quirk brought us in our family. Sick. I've always wanted a tail. I'm a freak. We love you, May. You're our girl. <sighs> Whoa. You're you. Any strong emotion yes! will release the panda. Abby, hit me. <gasps> oh. Do you know how dangerous this is? You'll get whipped up into a frenzy and panda all over. <laughs> I've been perfect little May May. Yeah! But maybe I like this new me. <laughs> Mama's girls. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> Tell me a bit about your approach to lighting and cinematography. I have to call out too, we did not plan to wear the same color today. Like yeah. this is actually somewhat embarrassing <laughs> that we're both wearing like Purple? Wow. <laughs> when we first started on the movie, it was really funny. They were out of space in this one building, and we wanted to sit close to where Rona, um, the production designer, was. And there was a cube. And the cube was like maybe seven by seven feet. And I was already sitting there, and uh, I'd never really worked that closely with John. We'd worked on a couple of movies, but, but he literally was down for moving into my cube. <laughs> And, and we shared a cube, which was amazing because I think early on, like we had a lot of really fun conversations about kind of understanding what Domi's vision for the movie was. And we were learning a lot together um, because we could just bounce ideas back and forth it, it just instantly and say, hey, look at this or hey, look at this. And I think that both of us kind of quickly, at least for, I don't know, John, I think that both of us kind of quickly realized that there's like a, a certain aesthetic that she was going for kind of like, a, would say the, the best way to kind of describe it is like, she was always pursuing like a simplicity with the, with the visual image. And I felt like we were always kind of presenting just a little bit more. And she was good at kind of whittling it down to what it is that she wanted um, visually. And I think that like, probably for John and I, we'd come from other shows that like, there was like a realism that always seemed to be there, whether it was the lighting or the camera work. And I think she was really embracing this kind of like animation aesthetic that um, honestly was challenging and refreshing for me to, to try and, and, and pursue uh, compositions that were way more graphic because it, it was challenging to do. And I, and I, and I remember needing to work closely with John in certain situations, because I didn't know how he's going to light things and, and yeah. vice versa, you know, because it's hard to find something um, that feels graphic with given that there's a background in space and depth and you don't know how it's going to get lit. Yeah. And I think that stylized, that stylistic conversation that happens, like it, it's a, it's a really important conversation to have with Domi and Rona, the production designer early in the film, because it, it informs you know, not just how you're going to light and shoot the movie camera wise, but also like 
what technology you're going to need to use. Do we need to use new stuff? Are we using stuff that we already know how to do, or are we using that stuff and using it in a different way? And, you know, I, I felt like at first it's like, are we doing line work? Is this painting? Is this like this kind of like way outside style? Um, but in the conversations, it was always about like making sure the movie felt tactile, felt real. It felt like it was there, but, and it had a lot of depth, which is stuff that we do really well at the studio, like create this world and then film it. But like Mayar was saying, like a lot of times we're, we're pushing towards that realism where here we still wanted to like capture light through a camera, but then stylize it in a way that still held on to those photography principles, but gave the movie this like other slant and in some way like removing contrast, which is the complete opposite of everything I've ever had to do when either like shooting my own images on a camera or working on animated films at Pixar, like we've done kind of like the complete opposite here where we're actually trying to take that contrast out and use more like color transitions and sharp over soft over normally it's light over dark. I've seen it a few times and I'm so enchanted by the visual style. We had a lot of different reference ideas like at the beginning of the film and in some ways it was trying to like how do we put all these pieces together um and and make them and still have the movie feel really coherent like from act one through act three um you know i think the storyboards had a lot of like there was a poppy vibe to them there was a lot of energy um and you know, there was all these like special shots where it would like go into may's head and they, you know the like the whole snap zoom thing and when I joined the film, we were referencing, Rona had these great photographs that she was referencing that were like these super low contrast um, images by this photographer out of Singapore. And we were looking at these images and it started to be like the backbone of the idea for the look where it was like pastel colors, soft light, really vibrant sort of pops of color here and there. Um, but really trying to take some of that like harsh shadow contrast, like, you know, this is not like a bleach bypass kind of look. This is like a, a, a softer kind of thing. And that look actually holds up to comedy and it holds up to really dramatic moments. And it, it can be fun, it can be serious. And so it allowed us to sort of shoehorn in all these other different ideas and like special shots to like get the anime influence, get those like really cinematic moments. And we were able to progress that look through the film, through acts one, two, and three. Um, not to mention, there's like tons of movies that we were looking at too. Um, Meyer, you could probably expand on those. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like um, there was also a theme that John and I really liked, which was evident in the storyboards, which was there was just an in, like a playfulness with the way Domi kind of engages with their characters in the storytelling. It's, and it was always charming from the beginning. And I think for us, we were like, with the design of this film, how do we exploit the charm in just the right ways? When is it dramatic? I think John was saying like, it was about founding a, finding a foundation that we could kind of dial things up and down with. And um, some of the directors that she was referencing um, were, Edgar Wright and, and Wes Anderson, 
And there is like an innate playfulness with how they, they, you know, tell their stories. Um, there's like a simplicity at times and like a, a really clever kind of staging that they use in terms of the relationship of the actors with the camera. <clears throat> but another, you know, some other projects that I found also very inspiring to me for this film were uh, Michelle Gondry, who is a music video director and obviously a featured director, but um, Spike Jones also. So, uh, the, and, and um, who is it, Jean-Pierre uh, Junot, there's a playfulness to their movies. And I think like John and I would sit there and kind of figure out well, what makes this playful and, and kind of like came up with our own little equation for turning red about what we could do in terms of the storytelling. Some of it involved the types of shots uh, that we would send editorial and working very closely with editorial. We found that like, if there's like a certain cadence of visual storytelling that there is a playfulness. And, and I guess what I mean by that, for example, is if we are compositionally kind of flat and, and graphic and the next two shots are slightly dynamic and then you come back to something that's structured again, that that pattern of kind of repetition does start to create like its own language with, with the audience and, and like, Editorial did an amazing job kind of timing those shots and picking shots that kind of, we were all holding hands on this cadence and, and it was you know kind of in there in the storyboards. And I think that really set a tone for being kind of charming to watch, which is how you want to feel about May when you're watching her is like something genuine and unique to her. So this brings me to my next question, which is about how the color palette progresses through, uh, through turning red. We kind of started it out. We, we started, we kind of broke it down, you know, act one, two, and three. And, you know, I think Maya and I talked about like the emotional spikes in the movie and it was cool. You actually mapped that out, Meyer, which was kind of nice. I mean, it was like <laughs> the initial version of the movie, but it, it, it helps say like, these moments are like real emotional spikes and like, how can we use light color camera to like accentuate those areas. And I feel like act one is like the most innocent where it's like pastel, soft colors, bright daytime. Um, you know, it's like the introduction to our version of Toronto. So we're just trying to introduce the most idyllic version. And it's like May, May knows who she is right now. She's got everything locked down. You know, it's like she hasn't broken out into herself yet. Um, so we kind of wanted the color palette to mirror that innocence. And then as the movie progresses and May turns into Panda, we start introducing more contrast, a little bit more saturation. Um, we're also using like time of day to introduce like some darker values, some darker colors and trying to use like um, saturation to like show that she's breaking out into herself. And then finally in the third act, we're going like, the concert is full. I mean, there's some vaporwave in here. There's like animated lights. It's it's way more chaotic. We have the ritual kind of thing. So we're going like, she's totally broken out of her original mold. Um, and there's some places where we use light color to sort of identify with the family. Like um, there's this moment where grandma is like interrogating May in her bedroom. And we have this like green light on her desk and then her bedside lamp is this warm kind of light. And so we're trying to play like the green of the family with the red of May 
in light to sort of play those two ideas off of each other. So we always look for those kind of opportunities to say like, this is what's happening in the story. What can we do on our end to sort of enhance and echo that feeling and emotion? Can you tell me how you lit the panda and if the fur presented some specific challenges? Fur is never easy. It's always hard. Um, and if it's if we can visually hit the target, then we can't render it because we can easily make something that doesn't render like it's too expensive to render. So it, you're sort of constantly battling those two things. I think one of the challenges with the panda that was a lot of back and forth for lighting, shading, and the rendering department was the fact that she's red, black, and white. Like these are three very like different colors, just having black and white almost means you need to treat those areas almost like their own sub character on them to make sure the white isn't getting too bright, the black's not getting too dark and the red, you can actually read all the gradients of red and orange that are on her. Um, so it was months and months of like tweaking the shading and learning how to light her and then how do we render her efficiently? Because we also knew that all the aunties were going to be pandas and we had Mingzilla as the panda. So we had to make sure that we had a good setup for rendering that much fur across multiple sequences. The camera movement is, is very fluid, but also very dynamic. What kind of rules or framework did you develop for the camera work? Thanks, Maria. I it makes me so happy to hear that you thought it was so fluid because I think we did a lot of planning to try and work with, um, you know, editorial and, and, and actually work with story as well to try to create like a, a fluidity, which I think was part of that cadence that um, I was mentioning before. But um, I think with editorial, one of the things that we felt early on was there was like an, an energy to how they were cutting things that, that was bringing out the comedy. And so um, depending on the sequence, I think that um, building off that cadence that I mentioned, if the, if the sequence needed to be funny, then we would try and find shots that presented contrast. For example, when uh, Panda's in the bathroom and mom comes to her call for help, uh, we're very kind of organic and handheld in terms of the camera operation in the bathroom with kind of the chaos that's there. And then when we cut to the, the hallway with mom, the camera is literally on a tripod static. And there's a contrast there between seeing what May's feeling and what Ming's perspective feels like. And we kind of continue that language of static versus organic or uh, like controlled versus organic throughout the whole film. Um, like John was saying earlier, May kind of thinks she knows who she is. She's following her mom's rules. So the camera work at the beginning of the film is very structured. Uh, compositions are very graphic. Um, symmetry was something that we were pursuing. And as she becomes a little bit more anxious and unsure of what the panda and what her voice is and who, what her inner voice is, uh, we aren't shooting with the, with the actor on center. We tend to break that um, and, and actually be more asymmetrical, less graphic and use kind of uh, uh, camera moves that are more organic and not as controlled to kind of represent that she's unsure of what this future is going to bring. 
Let's go back to the lighting. That, that end sequence at the pop concert, the effects are really spectacular. Yeah, I, I have to say that that was one of the more terrifying parts of the movie, just because <laughs> it, it felt like it was a lot about lighting, and it, but it's like concert lighting, which is animated stuff, which is really hard for us to do. Uh, and I, I remember Meyer like, dude, we got to, we got to start thinking about this. And I, <laughs> and I wasn't thinking about it yet. Cause I had like other stuff, but it was like, oh no. Yeah. We got to do this concert. And like, how much do we have to choreograph the lighting, uh, to the concert? Like how much of it are we going to see? Um, I think there was one thing Meyer that you, that you said really early on, like you had some reference for like, after uh, like the concert gets interrupted by Mingzilla, but the lights just keep going as if the concert never stopped. Um, and that was that was actually a huge win for the sequences because they added this like visual chaos, but it didn't have to be like choreographed per shot or anything like that. We kind of came up with this like, basically an amount of motion for the concert lights that gave us a lot of visual texture, but wasn't so chaotic that it was distracting. Um, and we tried to like, once we had that base, then we added some more stable light to the characters so that they were always the focus and the background was getting a lot of extra light. But just that idea that there was an element of the concert still going um, really made the sequences play well together. And we could then focus the really choreographed stuff for that concert intro, which was like the biggest, most important part of it. The way John's team created contrast of mood with an absence of light or light continuing where there was an absence of emotion within the, 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 the shots in terms of like reacting to Mingzilla, I thought was, it just played so great after they had taken a pass. It was, it was not anything really you could uh, see in the boards and you guys brought that dimension to the final, final look that I thought was really successful. Yeah. The bamboo grove sequence is gorgeous. How did you light that sequence and how did you achieve the final look for those shots? I mean, we kind of explored a lot of different <clears throat> ideas for the bamboo forest before we even got into like camera and, and lighting. I mean, there was like, should it be nighttime? with like kind of glowing stuff or like a sort of sunset kind of thing. Um, I feel like we ended up in this place where it was like, we really wanted it to be ethereal. Um, so it's like, we, we did a lot of like heavy vignetting with lots of depth of field kind of stuff. And then um, on the lighting side, we have this sort of horizon light that is kind of rotating and it's also changing color. So you're getting this intensity and color change even. So in static shots, there's always some light movement off in the background um, and a lot of atmosphere just so that the force is going off. Um, so I feel, yeah, it's like we wanted to create this like contrast to the ritual that's happening, which is super dark, really punchy colors um, at nighttime in the temple. And then we're cutting into this like almost like cool, glowy, bright kind of um, bamboo forest. And it didn't need to be scary. It wanted to be something that was serene and ethereal. And I, I like the uh, camera work that was done in there too, because it's a little bit more like, it's serene as well. Like, 
I don't know if that was intentional, Meyer, where it was, it, it felt like just like the contrast between the temple, like the, it, it felt very like chill, which was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that when we were in that ritual, it was again, like you were saying, I think about contrast, right? It was, it was about using lenses that were um, very wide lenses when we first go into that environment with the bamboo. So you could really feel the, um, the essence of what the forest felt like right out of the gate. Like you didn't want to be close. You wanted to be super wide where she feels small and it feels more about the environment rather than May in that, in that particular moment. And then uh, lens choices to slowly get closer to her as she gets deeper into this bamboo forest. It was really about kind of being wide and then coming in close and then expanding again when she comes out into the area where the, the portal in the, in the, in the mirror was that sequence uh, the nightmare sequence with all the red and the boy turning into flowers it's like gushes of blood right i mean it's, it's very intense the lead the layout lead derek williams he uh the boards were always kind of really intense and weird and i think he kind of ran with with obviously that aesthetic uh and in terms of like camera and composition, I think we was really the challenge was about being able to capture the essence of what was in the boards, which is like nothing else in our film. There's no other scenes like that in the movie. There's no other like there are some fantastical moments, but there aren't talking flower, you know, boys and <laughs> like animals. No nightmares. Uh, yeah. And I think our leads worked really closely on that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jordan Rempel and Derek, they really got into like, they, they would just have these like, because the shots are actually fairly simple as far as like how they're set up because they're so fast, you just need quick reads. And they would just come up with the, like all these different ideas into in, in to make the nightmare work. And Rona had this great sort of thought about just like this like red atmosphere in the whole thing just to like simplify the image even more. And so we ran with that um where you know it's just like making the whole thing red um which you know it keeps all the shots consistent and it makes everything really like focus where your eye needs to look and then we added that sort of like green light as like a sort of opposing color that really focused your eye on what was happening because some of those shots are probably like five frames i mean they're so fast um but it was it, it was at first it was like, oh, is this going to be like a Willy Wonka kind of nightmare situation? Um, but we kind of got away from that and then went down this road um, and then eventually it got too scary. So we had to like pull back from that a little bit. <laughs> there was a couple shots that were kind of cut because they were <laughs> way too out there. It was surreal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you please leave us with a few words of wisdom for young people out there who dream of becoming directors of photography. What uh, would you say to them? Just in my own experience, um, getting into this, like I never set out to be a director of photography, just even the, the craft of lighting and animation was not really well known when I was going to college. Um, but it was something that, I don't know, I was just sort of drawn to and I had to, I had to let go of other specialties that I wasn't really passionate about to get really good at lighting. Um, 
it was something where I was like, I'm not going to do all this other stuff, but I'm really going to focus on this one thing. Um, and I, th I think a lot of times, you know, people try to do, be a generalist and do a lot of everything. And you're not able to like hone your craft and become really good at one or one or a couple things. Um, you know, we're in an industry of specialists, like good rigging, good modeling, good shading, good, you know, lighting, good camera work. Like these are specialties in of themselves. And I think to really hone your craft, you kind of have to focus on what you love and really learn the most you can about it and work with teams to, so that you have all those specialties together and you can make a really successful project. Yeah, it's very much a, a team effort making <clears throat> these projects and these films. Yeah. I, it's almost impossible to execute a vision on your own. That being said, I, I think from a, like a layout, you know, camera and staging point of view, um, what was always helpful to me was basically um, really kind of understanding film history and understanding why directors have, have shot um, scenes a certain way or films in a certain way. I think what's always intimidating to me at the beginning of a movie, as I'm sure John feels the same way, when you're called a DP, it, it's like, oh, what is the film language of this movie? And you're like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and, and I think that like, we are discovering it together. You know, we, we are trying to, to plan, obviously have a plan for the visual expression and language of a movie, but being able to kind of experiment and, 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 and kind of practice shooting scenes with characters and, and actors. I think that uh, in, in camera and staging, you could, you could do that via live action. We have people here with live action background who just came here and learned how to animate at the studio. We also have half the department comes from just an animation background. And really the thing that we all have in common is just a passion for visual storytelling in terms of the relationship of our characters with the camera and how that space feels. Um, I do think you need to know a little bit about a lot of, like a lot of things, you know, you have to know a little bit about blocking, a little bit about, um, you know, the software, just a little bit about lighting. Uh, because in our department, you are making a rough draft of the movie. You're, you're literally pitching scenes to the director and the editor and working with the editor to, to sell them on, on, this, you know, on, on the idea before it really comes to life with all the other departments. I actually want to echo what Myra said about like film history. I think before doing this job, like I learned so much from him because you would bring in all these like clips of movies. Like I, I don't even know how you find all this stuff, but... <laughs> You would come in with like 20, 30 minutes of clips of different movies and would go through them. And I'm like, oh, I've never seen any of these. <laughs> and it, was, I was, it was like I got my own film education like <laughs> while working on this. That's awesome. So Thanks. It does form so much of what you do. It's like there's all this great stuff. And we're when we make a movie, we're just kind of building on what's been done and mm -hmm. creating our a new version or an extension of ideas that have been done before.